Welcome to Thrive Deeper, an ongoing conversation with Dr. Matthew Jacoby, author of the Thrive Bible Reading Guides, teaching pastor and leader of the Psalmist Band Sons of Korah. Join us as we go deeper into the Bible, discussing the passages as we read them together with Thrive. Now here's your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to episode 24 of Thrive Deeper. The little podcast that could. That's right. It's your host here, DJ Payne. And uh, today uh, on this episode, Matthew and I discuss the uh, the book of Haggai and the first part of the book of Zechariah, two books that we call uh, that are part of the minor prophets in the Old Testament. Now, we've just started in the, uh, in the narrative through the book of Ezra, and we are taking a break because this sort of happens chronologically in this part of the story. You'll hear more about it when we discuss it. But we are so glad that you can join us on this week's episode. Make sure that you can stick around after the conversation between Matt and myself because I'll be back at the end of the episode to tell you some really important information on how you can spread the word about this little podcast because we know how much you love us and we know how much you want to see us succeed. So I'm going to give you some information on how to do that after the conversation. Hey, bless you so much and thank Thank you so much for downloading and taking time out of your busy day to be part of God's Word through the Thrive Daily Reading. All right, after this little break, Matt and I will jump straight into it on Thrive Deeper. You've come in here this morning like a laser beam. Hello? Of of efficiency and 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 focus. <laughs> just got lots. Just got lots to do. Uh, you, you you. I love the thing that I appreciate about you, Matt, is that um, when you have lots of things to do and you are focused like a laser beam, um, you know, the human humanity of you just disappears out the window. <laughs> you are just like. We're doing this, like you become so, so uh, on point of what we're doing. That's not, you don't tell, I know what you're really doing is asking me a question, yeah. but you're not asking a question. Yeah. You know, you're saying, you go, you come in and go, we're doing this and this. And I know what you're really saying is, hey, mate, is it okay if we do yeah, this and this? that's good that you translate. I can translate yeah, you that's now. that's good. I've known that's you good. long enough I can translate. Yeah. You notice I brought my glasses too. So that is even more focus. Yeah, even more focused. <laughs> <laughs> Even more studious focus this morning. Uh, now, listen, we are we are deep in the return of the exiles. Uh, this period of mm. Jewish history, uh, about uh, you know two and a half uh, thousand years ago, uh, where the you know the Jews have uh, have have come home to Jerusalem out mm. of exile of Babylon. Mm-hmm. Babylonia from the you know from the, originally from the Babylonians then to the Persians and they are coming home. We've seen wave one come home under uh, Zerubbabel yep. and the governors you know yep. around that and that's in those first you know few chapters first six or so chapters of, yep. of Ezra. Yeah. And now we sort of put Ezra on the side. We put Ezra's mm. book over there and say, okay, Ezra, we're going to get back to you in a minute. Pause. And we jump into these two prophets. Yeah. The Had- idea, of course, is yeah. that these two prophets come in at this point in the story, um, which normally you wouldn't do this. Normally, if you're reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation, yes. and who reads their Bible like that? But uh, <laughs> Because uh, the Bible isn't necessarily ordered in chronological order in terms of the prophetic book sitting with the historical books in chronological order. So so the, the book of... Um, 
books of Zechariah and, and Haggai, they're two prophets that are actually uh, spoken about in um, Ezra chapter 5. It says here, now Haggai, and, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, prophesied to the Jews in Ju- Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, uh, and Joshua, son of uh, uh, Yozadok, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. Okay, so this is... This is a big thing because they had left this for 15 years. Hmm. Uh, they had put the um, – it was interesting, actually, I was reading uh, this morning, um, actually for my sermon preparation, and noticing the focus actually on the temple. Uh, we're going back to build the temple. That's it. Uh, this is the focus of their uh, of their journey, and it's a massive – disruption to their lives. I mean, think about what's involved in, essentially, it's moving to another country. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it took, later on, we're going to hear about Ezra, who who writes the book of Ezra. Mm. He doesn't come in until uh, until a little later on. But when he comes, it t- takes him five months uh, to get there yeah. uh, across land. So this is a, this is a long journey. It's a big, a big deal. Yep. And they're leaving everything behind. And why are they doing that? Well, they're doing that because they've been inspired by the exilic prophets Daniel and Ezekiel and by the scriptures that they have put together. Because remember, during this exile, in the darkness of exile, we see this amazing flash of light, this revival beginning, revival of the Jewish faith. Yeah. And um, and they go back to the scriptures, to the writings of Moses and the prophets, and they discover this amazing purpose that God has for his people. And they're, yeah. they're, they're fired. Their imaginations are fired not only by that, but... Uh, by the prophecies of Ezekiel and Daniel, yeah. for goodness sake. I mean, yeah. that, 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 that's uh, uh, quite gr- some quite grand visions there. And not only that, but after the 70 years allotted by Jeremiah the prophet, which they would have known well by this stage, on the clock... Uh, they're back. They're back. Yeah. You, know, on, you know, on the clock they are... Um, the, the, the Persians defeat the Babylonians. Uh, in fact... Um, the prophets even prophesied the fall of Babylon. All of this is coming about. You can imagine the excitement. This is the, this is the, this is the new age. This is mm. the new, the, uh, the new age to step into. This is why these people who had really good livelihoods, uh, a lot of them, because God blessed them as God always does, even when He was disciplining them. Yeah. Uh, he blessed them in Babylon. Many of them rose to high positions, as did. As did Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, but there would have been others. And we eventually will soon hear about Esther. Yeah, as well. that's yeah, right. We'll yeah. hear about Esther as well, and Mordecai and, yeah. and others. So, um, so God blessed His people there. They had livings. Um, that they, you know, uh, the prophet Jeremiah, God through the prophet Jeremiah, told them to settle down and plant and do trade and all those sorts of things, and they did that. Hmm. And um, so, leaving was a big deal. Because they left livelihoods. It's not like they were in captivity and they couldn't wait to get out of there. Well, uh, no, they really settled down. Remember, this is 70 years more than a generation. It's 70 years actually from the time of uh, from the time of Daniel. It's about 50-something uh, years from the last of the exiles, 50, yes. 60 years probably. Um, so, yeah, so this is a big deal, them leaving. Why did they leave? It's all about building the temple. Right? Mm, mm. Uh, they're leaving to build the temple of God. Now, the question is... What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, why don't you just build one there? Yeah. Why do you have to go back to Jerusalem <laughs> yeah, to do it there? It's, I mean, and I, I just find this interesting that there's so much focus on this. Mm. And uh, of course, it's 
it's because of what the temple symbolized. Now, even for Jewish people, it was a symbol. I mean, when Solomon built the temple, temple, he understood that it could not house God. You know, temples were seen as the houses or the palaces of the gods. Mm. Uh, from the beginning, um, Solomon makes it very clear: this this temple cannot house yeah. God. It's uh, it's where God puts His name. Right. So yes. this is important. Now, yep. this is where God puts His name. Mm-hmm. So the temple is God's name. When we speak about God's name, it's everything that God has revealed about himself and his purpose. So it's it's like this is the covenant God who has announced these things and is is to be faithful to these things. Mm. So when when um uh the Psalms, for example, make appeals to God and they say, For the sake of your holy name, mm. do this. Mm. It's for the sake of what you have re- revealed yourself to be to the world, you mm. are a restorer. You're a God who has committed Himself to a plan of restoration. So there's a, there's an idea with name. One of the basic ideas is reputation. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's reputation, um, but it's more when we think of the word reputation. Uh, we think of that at a probably lower grade than yes. what is applicable to God. So I tie in that idea of reputation with the authority that comes in that name. Yeah, it's 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 the authority, but it's also the intention. Okay, it speaks of God's intention, yeah. God's name, mm. um, and that's an important thing. His his intention that's been set in stone that He has promised to do certain things, uh, and that becomes sort of part of who God is. Um, and and the temple was the was the symbol really of everything that God had uh, had promised to do. Um, for mankind, because the temple, remember, symbolizes this meeting place. It was referred to when it was in tent form as the tent of meeting. This is the meeting place, like the portal of heaven. You know, we pray the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it, as, in, as it is in heaven. The temple was seen as like the gateway or the portal through which uh, the things of heaven come to be implemented on earth. It mm-hmm. was like this, symbolically, this connection point. It, it, it portrayed God's redemption. And, and that was, when you say symbolically, and I, and, I, and that's yeah, totally yeah. true. But there were elements throughout. You know, we see in Old Testament yeah. where it's more than just symbolic, as well. There are there are mystical elements as well. When, like for example, when Solomon actually, you know, finished the temple and God decided to, yeah, good you point. Know, yeah. There, there, you know, like again, the, the presence of God came yes. and filled, and 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 that in a sense is is God's favor upon what was happening. Like yeah. it's like God's God is. Um, uh, it, it's like the unction of God upon that mm. uh, upon that space. Do you I haven't used that word for a while? Unction. Mm. Uh, it's it, you know. It's, <laughs> that's it's a great the, old. That's a great, great old word. word yeah. yeah. Um, it's God's approval over that space and what's yes. happening there. Yes. And because yes. it's a three dimensional message, it's the basically the temple's the message of the gospel. Yes. It's the good news. Yeah. That God has reconciled himself to mankind yep. so that we can begin to be everything that he's created us to be. And this message was to be taken to all the earth, but it was to be established, cultivated in a people and established. So then the idea of going to build the temple mm. is about getting back on track mm. and stepping into this great purpose, mm-hmm. uh, stepping back into what God is doing. And the temple uh, becomes the symbol that that they would gather around um, that would draw them together in this uh, in this great purpose. So, um, uh, building the temple is about 
reconnecting with God and God's purpose. This is the, the so it's bigger than yes. just a building. Yes. Uh, and so they're going back. Uh, they're going back to do this now. Um, when they get back, they lay the foundation of the temple um, in about five thirty. Uh, 536, uh, probably 535, it was yeah. finished, the yep. um, BC. Uh, the foundation was finished. Um, and and then things get hard. Things get hard because uh, they, they are at the same time struggling to uh, establish their livelihood. Remember, the land has been left. Yeah. They don't come back they to can't fruitful just, vines. They and, can't just pop down to the local Kmart and Woolworths and go, I'll just pick up dinner. Exactly. Keep going on the foundation. That's right. I mean, they've, they've brought herds and flocks with them, but they've, yeah. got, to, they've got to build farms and yes. lay crops. And yeah. and, and then think, you know, they, they come upon hard times as well because uh, by 5.30, Cyrus, who is a fairly benevolent Dictator, mm. um, he dies, and his son Cambyses the uh, second succeeds him. And you know he's a despotic ruler, and he plunders this air, the land constantly, mm. And, mm. And, and and so it actually leads to a really difficult time. Yeah. And because of this, they uh, they retract away from the temple. the temple and the job that they were supposed to be that's doing. That's right, and yeah. their purpose really. So it's mm. because they're just trying to survive, mm. and um, and and so it was hard times and. Fifteen years go by, and the, and the foundation over, overgrown with weeds. Yep. The temple, you know, it's it's a sorry, it's a sorry. So you got to imagine it because because the sorry side of this temple, this half finished. Have you never ever seen a half finished house? Yeah, overgrown with weeds. You you know what question you ask? Oh, what's what going on there? What's going on? Something this, financial yeah, dodgy's gone. Some, yeah. You know, something's there. Like it actually was. The, the very thing that was meant to glorify the name of God is actually bringing disrepute upon the name of God mm, because mm. It, they're looking at this temple. Well, so much for that. You know, they got halfway and now they're just trying to survive. So it's actually bringing disrepute to the name of God. Mm. Now, 15 years later, this is uh, this. And, and look, I think in the by the grace of God, um, yeah, okay, they have hard times. You know, God doesn't come down hard on them straight, yeah. straight away. Yeah. But things get better. But when things get better, um, they still don't yeah. pull together. They, it's left there. You know, yeah. They're like enjoying the better without really stepping back into their purpose. Yeah. This is when God comes to them, uh, as he invariably does in, in Old Testament times through his prophets, uh, Haggai and Zechariah. Yeah. And he gives them uh, a right talking to. And, you know, Haggai, the classic... Um, uh, uh, statement in Haggai, verse 3 of chapter 1. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your panelled houses while this house remains a ruin? Mm. Give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much but harvested little. So they're struggling. Uh, you put on clothes, they're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in purses with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. Go up to the mountains, bring down timber, Build my house so that I may t take pleasure in it and be honoured. Now, there's the key bit. Yes. So that I may be honoured, yep. uh, says the Lord. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. Why, declares the Lord, because of my house, which remains a ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Mm. This is, a, it's such a convicting message yeah. because it speaks to a, you know, to our tendency to retract back into our little lifestyle burrows, yeah. and it's where it's all about me and it's individual. Where actually we are called out to something so much more yeah. significant, and this is 
what God is saying to them through Haggai and Zechariah. And and I love the the and zooming out and see the bigger picture. So we put ourselves in the in the shoes of these, um, you know, this next generation of Jewish people who've come back, mm. and they've they've had the opposition both, uh, you know, by the by the despotic kings, by the people who are surrounding them, by just natural hardships and everything like that, and finally God's messenger, you know, the, yeah. the prophets have to come up together, and I love the fact that in this time. You know, it's recorded the two of them are working together. Yeah. You know, yeah. these two prophets are sort of tag teaming there. Yeah. And Haggai comes in and and gives this really pointed message of what's, you know, what has to be done. And this is where we, I, I, for me, this is where I first get the first sign of, oh, we're dealing with different people. Mm. Is because under Zerubbabel and the crew, they're like, oh, like they, they, they've learned their lesson. Yeah. And they they heed the word yeah, of the yeah, prophet. Yeah. We're so used to hearing these poor lives of the prophets yeah. who would just give and give and give, and Jewish yeah. people are like, we don't want to hear. They're not interested. Straight away, these yeah, guys are like- that's a good point, actually. That's a very good point. It's, and it is a key difference. Massive. Yeah. And, and in fact, Zechariah says at the start, he just reminds them, yeah. you know, remember when God spoke to you through his prophets and you didn't listen, that's how you ended up in exile. Yes. So, so listen, yeah. listen to, to what I'm saying to you. So that's, that's a really good point. And- and, and I think, you know, God gave them time to get it right. Yeah. Because the, the book of Haggai starts with in the second year of King Darius. So this is better times now. Darius uh, went mm-hmm. back to the, uh, to the better policies of Cyrus. Uh, Cambyses, e- even towards the end of his reign, Cambyses is busy off in other parts of the world. So even then things got better. So they've had time. They've had time to recover and things to get better, hmm. um, but they they just haven't got it together. Yeah, uh, they haven't got their priorities right. And you know, God often often when God speaks through prophets, it's uh, generally that it's it's because they should have actually got it together earlier. Yeah. You know, this, yeah, this he's is, being patient. Yeah, with yeah him. he's being patient with <laughs> the, All prof- right. the prophet is like, oh no! You know, it's like as a dad with the children, you yeah. give them warnings, your warnings, yeah. and the prophet is when you reach up for the wooden spoon off the yeah, fridge. Yeah. Oh no! This the, is it. the prophet's getting towards your last chance. Really, it's the third. <laughs> yeah, it's the third call. One last chance here, gang. <laughs> but yeah, and I love and I love the fact, and this is something new, and it's Haggai is such a little book, but there's so, mm. it, to me, it's a turning point, one of the many turning points that we get in the relationship. Relationship with with you know our heavenly Father with His people with the Jewish mm. people is that we have the stern warning you know at the beginning mm. like it's straight up. He then records the prophet then records the people's reactions to it, mm. and then that second chapter, which is God saying, "All right, you're doing what I've asked you to do," must feel like nothing to you, gang. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, but don't take you know take yeah. heart yeah. because it's actually not about the building. It's about my relationship yeah, yeah, with right. you. It's yeah. my spirit that is with and you. And that's the point. It's Th- about that obedience. Actually, is the point. Yeah. I think that's a really good pickup. This isn't just God saying, "Hey, I want a house." Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is God saying, "I want central place in your life." A hundred percent. That's what God's saying. It's all about obedience. Yeah. It's and, all about And He's obedience. saying, because I don't have central place in your life, yeah. like your purse has holes in it, yeah. like. You're putting, in other words, you're putting things. It's like you are, you are drawing things into your life, and your life is like a sieve right now. Yeah. Uh, and um, trying to think where I think it was Plato that talked about the soul of man being like a sieve, and just mm. things just drain out, and nothing this is, fills you up. Yeah, and and this is this is their experience. You know, they're they're suffering from 
this discontentment and, and nothing really um, is, is working out for them. And God's saying, come on, doing basically exactly what Jesus did when he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be given to you. So I think it's a, it's a profoundly simple, fundamental message um, and one that I think we always need to be reminded of. Yeah, yeah. Moving from uh, Haggai, there's you know the beautiful little book there, and um, into into Zechariah. And so even in the even in the simple two chapters of Haggai, I've got I could spend all day with so many questions, and there's such a there's a different attitude in that little book. Uh, one of the little things about Haggai that I, that I always enjoy is that when he, you know, the four times when Haggai says his prophecies, he talks about um, the Lord of Heaven's armies. Just such a different way of thinking yeah, yeah. about God yeah. and thinking, you know, giving him a different title that we don't hear, yeah. you know, very often. It's something, you know, different there. And there's so much we can dig yeah. into that. And I encourage everybody to obviously do your own study and dig into these type of things. It's beautiful there. But we now we now go into his partner in crime. So working together, these two prophets, mm. Haggai and Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, Haggai is simple, to the point, boom, 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 you know, Here's the message. Here's the here's the answer. Zechariah a little bit different in his in his delivery of his prophecy. Yeah, he's actually. I mean, um, Haggai is the more straightforward. Get your priorities right. Build the temple. Yes. Um, that that's not so much the. Um, Zechariah is probably uh, prophesying during during the building of the temple. So you probably it looks like Haggai comes first, mm-hmm. and then Zechariah comes along, and he backs this up now. You know, Zechariah is going to speak to a lot of different things. His 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 approach is more sort of uplifting in a way uh, because he is going to describe the 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 importance of what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's in in a way he's going to put that into context. So they're building this, and this is a really important thing. Often we need to constantly be reminded that we're part of something much bigger and where it's all going. Yes, you know. So if you're serving in your church and you're really, you know, you're building up the body and you're doing, it's really important for sustainability that you continually remind yourself of the significance of what you're part of, right? Mm. Because we're all called to do a small part, but we're called to do a small bit. Uh, as part of something that is enormous. So actually to make the small part that we do sustainable, we have to remind ourselves of where of what it is and where it's all going. Mm. Mm. And to, see, for me, that that perspective, this big thing, you know, like being a part of this amazing worldwide movement and, and you know, even though the world tells us it's all petering out, it's actually not. And the best analyses uh, confirm that the Christian movement is – is spreading like wildfire, mm. and uh, you know God is at work, and and I and I love seeing that bigger view. I love uh, 
reminding myself that I'm part of something really big and even though you know my part is a small part of that so this is in a way what Zechariah is doing here here they are investing now in the in building the temple and and working on that doing their bit uh, and he's reminding them of the importance uh, of it so and it's important when you say reminding him like this again getting a little bit nerdy here if you look up the meaning of the name Zechariah mm. his his name means Yahweh remembers yeah and and he and his whole and the other the other factor in thinking of the personalities and I love to try to imagine you know the picturesque part of it Haggai was obviously we you know a lot of scholars think that Haggai was an older uh, you know, an older prophet. He was an older mm. man when he gave his prophecies out. And it's sort of, I think it's almost that directness as an old man has. You know, it's yeah. really simple yeah. and to the point. And Zechariah, we know in the writings of Zechariah because God keeps telling him, you know, and talking about Zechariah being a young man. He's yeah. a young man. Yeah. And Zechariah's got this youth about him yeah. and, you know, this newness about him, but also being in the line of a priest, you know, being a grandson yeah. of, of a priest and being a priest yeah. as well. He's got all this knowledge yeah. of, of what the priests do and the line and, the, yeah. and everything about it. So he's coming in with all this history and everything yeah. and pleading with them about this yeah, as that's well. that's right. And, and one of their concerns now at this point is that, Remember, they are—they're um, not an independent nation. They're still under the yes. Um, <clears throat> uh, they're still under the authority of the Persian Empire, and they're a very small state. I mean, that you—we're talking about—and this is before Ezra comes. Ezra is going to come with a whole lot more people mm. in about sixty years' time from this. Uh, sometimes people don't realize the time gaps actually in in this book of Ezra. Yeah, they're quite big time gaps between yeah. everything. Uh, so Ezra himself hasn't come on the scene, but when he does, he's going to bring more people. But, you know, there's maybe 30,000, uh, you know, 20, 30,000 people uh, at this stage here. I mean, this is a small, uh, it, it sandwiched in between the great empires of the ancient world and particularly as part of the uh, Persian Empire. This is a seemingly insignificant, tiny group of people in 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 a sort of a backwater of the empire that are wondering where do we fit in um, and, and perhaps losing sight of that. Now, Zechariah is going to remind them, he's going to do that classic prophetic thing, big picture, this is where you stand yes. in the purpose of God. Yes. And, um, and a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the prophecies of Zechariah uh, are, are aimed at reminding them of that big picture as well, that God is God over all of the earth. Mm. He's going to judge the nations. He's got, you know, he's... he's he is the God of the world, not just them. Yes. And um, and that he is going to bring about his purpose and ultimately his Messiah. Yeah. Uh, there are lots of messianic prophecies oh. in the book of Zechariah. Well, I read somewhere in one of my readings, you know, around Zechariah, as far as the minor prophets go, and, and this is part yeah. of the books of what is historically known as the minor prophets, Zechariah contains the most messianic yeah. prophecies out of all the minor prophets. Yeah. And I just find that so interesting that it's in this time period when they're yeah. rebuilding the temple yeah. and and this young man, Zechariah, is getting these amazing insights from the Lord that a lot of it has to pertain with, as you say, their place in the world yeah. right now, yeah. but also their place in the world in the future. Yeah, what that's that pertains right. Yeah. The, yeah. So it's always... Um, it's always uh, reaching forward. So what 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 we have then is a, a series of images that are quite 
confusing, really. I mean, I can remember first reading the book of Zechariah. It's actually when I was in Bible college, and I did not have a single clue about a single thing that was going on in this book. It was just uh, perplexing. And, um, uh, the, the, you know, the first vision is the vision of this man among the myrtle trees, and um, yep. uh, he uh, – th- th- there is this vision um, of – a man, you know, mounted on a red horse, and these horses going out to all of the earth, mm. and um, and they come back, and it says in verse ten, the man standing among the myrtle trees explained to Zechariah who these horses were. You know, they are the ones the Lord has sent to go throughout the earth. Now, this is important because these horse these horses are going out into all the earth, and um, it, it's you know God's seeing, it's God's seeing everything. Yeah. Uh, I'm checking things out. Yeah. Uh, these are my messengers. See, this is what kings did. They sent their horsemen out, their messengers out, yeah. uh, to to take the message out to see how things are going. <laughs> this yeah. is God, you know. This is God doing this, and um, and uh, and so there is this. Uh, uh, you know, we've gone out throughout the earth and found the whole uh, world at rest uh, and in peace. Now, this uh, means that uh, the world is uh, sort of under. At rest means like um, subjugated, mm. Mm. Uh, you know. At this stage, uh, under the Persian, uh, under the Persian Empire, and um, but the big, the big picture here is that God is in charge. Yes, uh, God is in charge and over this. Even, even, even while, yeah, you know, they they are being subjugated and subdued yeah. by another nation, yeah. another power. Yeah. There is something bigger going on. Yeah, and and that's and that's an important. Um, that's an important perspective. And so then it says in verse 16, uh, I will return to Jerusalem with mercy and there my house will be built and the measuring line will be stretched over Jerusalem. Um, so, uh, and it's, this is what the Lord says, my towns will again overflow with prosperity and the Lord will again comfort Zion and choose Jerusalem. So mm-hmm. this is being declared to them while they're building the temple. I'm choosing this place, right? I'm seeing the whole earth, uh, but I'm choosing this place. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, then you get the four horns and the craftsmen. The four horns are, are like the, uh, the. This is a symbol of like the strength of the nations um, that subjugated the people of Judah, and the craftsman with the hammer, you know, that's going to come along and destroy mm. the horns. So he's declaring judgment on uh, on the nations. Again, this is God in charge. Uh, it's not just. A message of doom for the sake of a message of doom. It's God in charge of the nations. I'm going to judge the nations. Um, then you've got this vision of the man with the measuring line. And uh, this is really the, the major concern at this time is how can we, how can we, like normally if you're building a city, you're not going to start with the temple. What do you start with? Yep. You, the walls. You yep. build walls for goodness sake, because otherwise the whole building project can be uh, is vulnerable to foreign attack, which is a seasonal threat. And they've got enemies up north. They've already put the Samaritans offside. We talked about that last episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they've got enemies who are working against them. And uh, and they're thinking, hang on, shouldn't we build the walls first? Um, but uh, God says to them, uh, here, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, mm. and I will be its glory within. 
So get the glory within and you get the wall of fire without. It's amazing yeah. imagery. This yeah. is you focus on building a place for me in the midst. Mm. And, and it's like God is saying, oh, I, I don't want you to build the walls because yeah. I want you to get the priorities right. Yeah. I'll be the wall. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm going to be, be, be the walls I'll, I'll uh, protect for you. you. Yeah. Um, the interesting it, also in Zechariah is the place of Zerubbabel and, um, and Joshua the priest. Yeah, well. Uh, so it says here in chapter 3, then he showed me Joshua. Now, uh, this is phenomenal. Yeah, Chapter three. Actually, is... the, the name actually is Yeshua in yeah. in uh, in Hebrew, yeah. uh, which uh, is G- that's the G- Jesus name. I, mean, I, I think this is Jesus is actually Yeshua in Hebrew. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you could almost read there. Then he showed me Jesus, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right to accuse him. Wow. The Lord, uh, the Lord said to Satan, "The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord has chosen <laughs> Jerusalem." The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Um, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? So uh, it is. He's talking about Joshua. Joshua was, or Yeshua was, the high priest at this time. Mm. It's it's just a neat little coincidence. Maybe it's more than a coincidence more than that a, he happens. Well, I, I think it's more than a coincidence. As this goes on, as chapter three unfolds towards the end, there, you know, he says, you know, listen to me, O Yeshua, O Yeshua, yeah. the, the high priest, and to all you other priests, you are symbols. Of things to come. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. This is in the New Living Translation, of yeah. course. Soon I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. Yeah. So he's gone from a, a a stick that's been, you know, snatched out of the burning fire, just salvaged in yeah. filthy robes, to one day, that's one day right. soon, you're a symbol of the branch yeah. that's and, coming. And in verse nine, and I will remove the sin of this land in a <laughs> single day. So and and so 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 it starts oh. with with this with the high priest, and the high priest is actually a symbol. Yeah. Ultimately, of Christ, hundred percent, and the, the fact that the names are the same, yeah. I think, works beautifully. Uh, Yeshua, Fantastic. you know, Yeshua, um, meaning the Lord saves. So, um, uh, so he, as the as the high priest in Jerusalem, um, Yeshua or Joshua stands for the people, like he is a symbol of the people. Yeah. Uh, th- there, there is this sense in which you know they would wear the breastplate mm. and, and they would carry, as it were. God's uh, God's people, and this is this is why um, this the representative element of what Christ did, uh, because what everything that he did, we did because he represented us. Yeah, he, you know, we are, we are in, in him, him. Yeah. in him. That's right. Paul talks yeah. about us being in Christ. Well, that's that's very much that this priestly kind of theology, this yeah. idea of the priest who represents the whole people. Um, so he says. Uh, it says in verse 3, Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. And the angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off his filthy clothes. Now this is, remember, he's a symbol of the people. Yeah. Um, and God is here reminding them that he has forgiven them and restored them, right? So, I, But I've res- he's saying, I'm, I've restored you for this. Like mm. this is, remember, this is during the building. So yeah. keep going, keep going. Um then he said to Joshua, see, I've taken away your sin and I will put fine garments on you. Then, then I said, put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and they clothe him in the priestly robes again. Mm. So I'm reinstating you. Now, what this means is as he's reinstating the high priest, Joshua, taking away his sin, putting the priestly robes, yes. as he's reinstating him, what he's actually doing is he's reinstating his people yeah. in his purpose. In his, in, because they are... 
in him. He is a symbol That's right, yeah. of, of what, That's right. what he's doing for the greater so, people. So as they're building this temple, he's saying, I am reinstating you now mm. into my purpose. Mm. Like you, you, you went off into exile, uh, but now is a time of restoration. And, you know, they had stepped by beginning to build the temple again. They've, they've stepped back into the purpose of God. And this beautiful symbol of reinstatement comes um, with uh, with these promises of things to come. Yeah, uh, wonderful promises. And and he assures them. And and in the in chapter four, in the it's one image one image after another. I mean, oh. this is what I think what can be confusing about this yeah, book. Yeah, lampstands. We've got olives. We've yeah, got yeah. olive oil. We've got yeah. all different. You know, so yeah. the gold lampstand and the two olive trees. Well, the two olive trees are Zerubbabel and. Uh, and Yeshua, Joshua, mm. um, in in the Messiah, those roles are going to be combined. So mm. they're both the and they're, they're the anointed ones. Mm. Um, the gold lampstand is a symbol of the Spirit of God mm. um, here. So um, this is the golden lampstand in, in the midst of the two olive trees, and this is where you get this um, uh, the interpretation uh, that as that. Zechariah is given. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, mm. uh, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Uh, so uh, I am in the midst of you mm. as the gold lampstand in between the olive trees. And I mean, olive trees are, is a classic symbol of, of his people, of mm. Israel, his people. Lampstand symbol of the spirit. Think about it. They're building the temple, right? So, And, and why are they building it? it it's, it's in a sense to... Uh, it's God being central again in their midst. Mm. Uh, it's them orienting their lives around God's purpose. Mm. And suddenly you get this beautiful vision of the two olive trees and the, the yeah. symbol of the Spirit of God mm. in the midst and God saying, not by might, not by power, but mm. by my Spirit, says the Lord. This is how things are going to work uh, in, uh, in the new age. And, of course, Book of Zechariah's got a lot to say about the new age because in chapter nine you have that wonderful picture of the Messiah who comes riding on a donkey. Mm. Uh, um, but before that, you get this uh, chapter five. You've got the uh, flying scroll, which is God's judgment over the nations, the curse over the whole earth. Then you've got this picture of the woman in the basket. This is weird. It's a weird vision, yeah. <laughs> but but basically, the woman is iniquity. She uh, and and she's in this basket and uh, and. And basically what we see in the image is the basket is taken away to the land uh, of the east. And um, uh, this is God taking away their sin. Yeah. It's a strange imagery for me. It is. It is a particularly weird one because... And again, this is this is what I love as a as as the amateur Bible nerd that I am. Uh, you know, my little card carrying Bible nerd here, where I'm. You know, imagine me pushing up my glasses, my broken glasses on the middle of my nose here. Yeah. This is where I start getting excited because it's these themes that God is putting in place, like from all the way back from Ezekiel, Daniel, this mm. uh, apocalyptic or. Mm you know, revelation, the future times type of thing. And revelation has so much to do with this, where we get these themes of Babylon. We get these themes of a woman of iniquity, the wickedness. And what, what... you know, yeah. I starts start, starts me thinking here at the end of end, end of this chapter, chapter five, is where where he's you know Zechariah's going. What are you doing? Yeah. Where is 
where is that woman of wickedness going? And he says, I'm, she will go to Babylon to the east. They will build a temple for her there yeah. where she'll be put on a pedestal for, yeah. you know, for something to do later on, yeah. you know, type of thing. And it's like, holy moly, like talk about on the edge of my seat. What goes on with this woman, yeah. you know, later yeah. on? And then we see, then in Revelation, mm. we have this concept of the whore of Babylon coming, you know, this yeah. wicked, you know, and it's like, it is so yeah, amazing. It's amazing. It's it is amazing. amazing. Yeah. It is yeah. amazing. Yeah. And and I think, I mean, the connection with with Revelation here is a really interesting one because this is the last we hear of this imagery yeah. uh, here. And, and um, the, the, the idea of the basket, you know, the basket is iniquity and he opens the basket and there in the basket, you know, there is this woman, this is wickedness, and and she gets pushed back into the basket. And it's a terrible, in some ways, it's a terrible image, but it's an impacting image. Yeah. I mean, this is the point. Yeah. And, and, uh, um, and uh, you know, the, there's this the lead cover down on top of it. So it's like the, the iniquity is being covered over and banished uh, to the land of Babylon. And, and you do think you're left a bit hanging there. Yeah. To the to the country of it's actually to Shinar, which is the in the original yes, uh, but which is the area of Babylonia. Yep. there's a house built for it there, probably as some form of ziggurat temple or something. You know, is this the? These are like the pagan gods of the. You know, it's like I am taking because the the. I mean, the other thing that's significant about this is that the essence of uh, the essence of sin, really, uh, according to. Romans chapter one is idolatry. That's the. It's not moral moral lapse. Moral lapse is a um, is a really fruit of it, the, the deeper problem, which is idolatry, which yeah. is not worshiping God, hmm. but putting other things before God. That's really the problem, and um, and so it's interesting that this gets taken away uh, from because the, the you know these fertility gods. Um, in the ancient Near East, were the most some of the most popular gods, and and again, the, again, this is almost like the history buff that was Zachariah the priest yeah. is going. We know what the problem was back there with you guys yeah, yeah. and these idolatry things that you were involved yeah. in, the wickedness that you were involved yeah. in, the former kings and the priests and everything were involved yeah. in these horrible wicked things of the land. Yeah, we can just, we're going to take it away. That's right, and put it. Over yeah, here. that's right, and um, and so. Uh, yeah, the fact that it's banished off to Babylonia, where where there's it's housed in a temple, I think underscores the fact that I'm taking your idolatry away. It's not. It's like I'm taking this away from you, the offense mm. of your idolatry. So I think it's a really, um, I think it's a really powerful imagery. And as you say, it comes back. It's mm. like the, you know the whore of Babylon in yeah. in, um, in Revelation is this imagery. It's it's like this is set free. All of the evil of the world is set free yeah. to do its worst. Uh, it comes to the surface, so it can ultimately be destroyed yeah. uh, in Revelation. So, so this part of uh, of Zechariah then is is neatly um, uh, closed off. It's quite a neat section here because we have four chariots. We the, began with four horses going yes. out to the earth, and now we have four chariots going out into the earth. And and of course, this is imagery also that we have in Revelation. Um, the the Four horsemen of the apocalypse, yep. uh, going out into the earth to deliver God's even judgments. The co- even the colours of the horses, yeah, yeah. you know, so, we got the red, we got the that's black. right. So, so here you've got the four chariots going out uh, again, and this is this is God saying to His people, "Keep on going. I'm in charge. I'm, I, I'm in charge of all the nations. 
I've got a plan. This is what you're part of. Mm. Keep pushing into this and yeah. don't go back. You know, that's the key message of the book of Zechariah. Zachariah part one. We're coming back to Zachariah next week. So if you've got questions, make sure you head over to thrivetoday.net.au. All the links are over there. And like I said, we would love you to help us promote and get the word out there about this show. One really easy way to do that is to head over to Apple's iTunes to their podcasting section and look up Thrive Deeper. If you just do a search for Thrive Deeper, Matthew Jacoby, and give us a five-star rating, tell everybody how much you love it. That really goes a long way in promoting the show, believe it or not. All right, that's enough from me. So on behalf of myself, DJ Payne, and Matthew Jacoby, and that mysterious man in the background, Mr. Stuart Duncan, <laughs> we'll see you next time here on Thrive Deeper. Thank you so much for listening to Thrive Deeper. We value all our listening community. If you are on Facebook, search and like Thrive Today page to get all of our latest updates. Our home on the internet is at thrivetoday.net.au. There you can subscribe to the Thrive Daily Reading Guide and contact us directly. That's at thrivetoday.net.au. Until next time, thrive. thrive.